Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. The title of the sermon is The Equipping of the Saints for the Work of the Ministry, Part 2. We left off in verse 12 last time we, we talked, and so this time we'll be picking it up from verse 13 through 16 as we finish the second half of the study. So here is the first half of this two-part study. So last week we had the title of Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, verse verse 7 uh, through 16 the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and this week we're actually going to be in part two and so our first point we had last week was the measurements of the gifts of the grace of, of, of christ and that really just dealt with and just to kind of give you a synopsis of what happened last week is we talked about the measurements and we have measurements for everything you have measurements for your shoes you have measurements for your belts your waist Right and and but it's Christ that measures the gifts, and measures the church. A lot of times, what we do is we look at it through man's lens, and that's what we define as a successful church, and that's not always the case. We look at it, understanding that the measurements of the gift of Christ they're they're given by Christ, and one of the things that you see in in verses seven through uh, twelve is. I love it because what you see is the word he. Like, therefore, he says when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who has ascended for above all the heavens that he might fill all the things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so when we look at that, I think one of the things that's really unique about that piece of Scripture is you see Christ represented in that. It's Christ. It's Christ's church. This is not Mike's church. Okay, the church that's down the street, that doesn't belong to them. These belong to Christ. That's where we make mistakes. We follow celebrity pastors. We follow dynamic speakers. And, and we look for entertainment. And you go, well, I can't worship with the TV. I, yeah, man, somebody, we're praying for somebody to come along with the guitar and be able to sing with the heart of worship. But in the meantime, we're still going to worship God. We're not going to not do that. It's got nothing to do with that. I know it's awkward. Man, I, I get it. 
I'm used to, man, I'm talking about earth, wind, and fire on, on our stage. When we were at our last church, it was like everybody. I mean, everybody had a mic, everybody sang, and it was, it was entertainment. And, and a lot of talent. And, and you had some beautiful people with the heart of worship. And, and so coming and, and planning a small church, because we just started, it's, we're in year three. And, uh, and, and at the end of the day, it's like we, we planted this church in the middle of COVID. And, and so we're, we're stepping out in faith because it's his church. And he measures his church and gives the gifts to his people. It's because Christ defeated death. And Christ defeated sin. And Christ defeated Satan. There's already victory. The spoils of the gifts... Are his to dish out. And so it, that's what we get from that. As he talks about the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. It's to understand, like we talked about, the apostles were the ones who walked and saw Christ. Right? And, and Paul was one of them. He got kicked off his horse. Because Jesus had a ministry for Paul to go to the Gentiles and to share the gospel. And if you didn't know, I don't know if we have any Jews here, but we're all Gentiles. So praise God that Paul was obedient to what God gave us, right? And we got the gospel because of that. And that's an amazing thing. But it, it is to remember that we also have prophets. And we talked about the prophets. We talked about how the Old Testament prophets always pointed to the Messiah. Always to the Messiah. It was always trying to get Israel the nation or the kingdom or the king to turn back from sin and turn back to God. And then we have the apostles and the, the prophets and how they worked in the New Testament. They actually worked together. And they actually did what? When, when there was a famine on the land, they let the apostles know so they could take action. How did they know it was true? It happened. We talked about the prophets today. Are there prophets today? There are a lot of people that claim to be prophets, but if it cannot be tested to the Word of God, if you open this up and it's not true, then they're not a prophet. Okay? It has to be tested to the Word of God. And then he talked about evangelists. We talk about guys like Ryan Reese and, and, uh, and Greg Laurie, guys that go out to specifically share the gospel to the lost. They go out... Uh, Ryan and them have been in California, throughout Mexico, South America, Chile, um, Philippines they were just in, India, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Greg Glory has been known as an evangelist. And what they do is as, as somebody surrenders their life to Christ, as they confess their sin and they repent and they turn to Christ, it's the evangelist because they shared the gospel. And they're like an obstetrician. So they're bringing them into the kingdom of God. And then the pastors and teachers, we talked about it, they're like the pediatricians as we, we teach the Word of God to help you grow. And all of this is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. The building up of the body of Christ. There's a purpose for the body of Christ. And so that's what we're looking at today is the measurements today we'll be looking at is the measurements that, that deal with the growth of the body of Christ. Verse 13 says this, Till we all come to the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We have three things that are being built up in this one verse. You could do a teaching just on this one verse. It's talking about the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. But it's also talking about the perfect man. And we'll explain what that is. And I know the women are going, there is no such thing as a perfect man. And I, I'll give you an amen on that. Because I'm not either. <laughs> so... <laughs> And then we also see the measurement of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So those, those three things. So the first one is uh, we see that the unity of the faith. And so what we see is that when we're obeying God, we're faithfully uh, allowing the Spirit to guide us and use the gifts of God. That creates unity in the body of Christ. Let me tell you, there's a lot of things that had to happen this morning, right? And there'll be a lot of things that need to happen after we get done to put everything back up. But all of that requires unity in the body of Christ. Can you imagine if we were being prideful and wanted to argue? Nothing would get done. And, and like, like I was telling you, with the early church, we all have an opportunity to serve because we have to, we have to get up and, you know, hey, do you need help? And, and there's a, a, yeah, you can help me put this up or you can help me do this. I mean, there's, there's opportunity to jump in. And so when we see unity of the faith, it reminds us of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. I told you this verse last week. And as, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold of the grace of God. Minister it to one another. How did you minister your gifts during COVID? If you were sitting in the living room by yourself. Right? Let's be, real. Let's be real. I'm just being honest with y'all. How were your gifts ministered? How was the body of Christ unified? We, we have to understand, like, church is essential. Essential. If the liquor store is essential, don't you think the church is essential? Right? Oh, no, the liquor store can be open. But you can't do church on Sunday. It's, it's a reminder that there's a purpose for church beyond what we think. Sometimes we get, like, I remember going to church when I was, I was like, I don't want to go to church. I did that for 39 years. I, I don't want to go. The army, when I was in the army. They were like, why don't you be a chaplain's assistant? I was like, I ain't working Sundays. The Lord was trying to get a hold of me at 17. And I had no clue. Because of my pride. But I understand now what it means to actually see these gifts be used and how it unifies the body of Christ. The gift of helps or the gift of hospitality. Those gifts can be looked at. You can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 if you want to write that down in Romans chapter 12 and there's a list of the gifts that are there. Each one of you are given at least one gift. Every person that, that chooses to follow Jesus Christ, you're measured at, at minimum one gift. Whether it's teaching or preaching. You know, it's, God has, has gifted because it's to be used for the church to edify the body of Christ. And it creates unity within the body of Christ as we go out to proclaim 
Christ. And, and it's a reminder that, that, that his church is, is the thing that, that needs to be united in faith is that the gospel has to be the center. We proclaim, and what brings unity is that we proclaim the gospel of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those are fundamental. I cannot have unity with the Mormon church because they don't believe who Jesus Christ is. They believe he's the half-brother of Satan. Does that seem like that makes sense? No? Right? That you can be a god, like when you die, you're going to be a god on a, on a planet. That doesn't seem to, like that's going to work out. Right? So I can't have unity with you. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I won't talk with you. It just means that when it comes to the things of the body of Christ, I can't be a part of that. Like if you tell me, Mike, hey, we're in Mormon church in Hondo. There's one in Hondo. Did y'all know that? There's one in Hondo. Big church, man. Big church. If they tell me, Mike, we got a barbecue. We want you to come home. I can't, I can't roll there, bro. I love you, man. I'll meet you at the house or something and talk with you, but I'm not, I'm not rolling up to the church because we, have, we, we don't have unity. And you go, man, Mike, you're supposed to be loving. I am being loving. Because I can guarantee you I would have already talked to that brother about Jesus Christ and who Jesus is. Because it's important for you to know that. It's important for you to be able to know what you believe in and, and, and the unity of the faith. If you have no faith and, and Christ is not the center of your life and the center of your faith, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, like you don't believe in that, then you, there are some things that need to be worked out in your heart. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that where, whether I come and, and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving, one, uh, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So he's saying, look, it's not just the unity of the faith, but the unity of the body of Christ, the unity of this church. He's saying, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Man, that verse hit me hard this week. Is my conduct worthy of the gospel of Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. We're to have unity. Remember I told you, like, man, I, I, I have grown up in the South, and I have seen division my whole life. It's, it's, there are times when you, you see, especially as I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s, and it was just craziness. Division. And, and I'm not talking about racial division. I'm talking about division in the church. Why? In Prattville, Alabama, I can show you where the white church is and the black church is. And that is not church. Because if there's unity in the faith, what did I tell you? I've been telling you all this. The church should look like Walmart or HEB. All different age groups, all different ethnicities. We all come together because who do we have in common? Jesus Christ. We're not, we're not down with all that, that stuff. We're here to love one another. 
We're here to build each other up. And so when we look at these things, it's like understanding like the unity of the faith is, is unity and having the same mind because we have the gospel at the center of it. The other thing it talks about, the second thing in that verse in 13 is the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God. And the, the word in the Greek actually is a participatory knowledge. And that means that it's actually, and I know that didn't come out right, and I tried that five times. My son's laughing at me. Um, he's like, man, Dad, you're not that smart. Come on. Realistically, what all it is is what Paul is talking about is he wants you to have it go from here to here. How many people have you met in your life where it's just here? It's just head knowledge. Man, I, I have met some brilliant people that can argue the Word of God. I mean, brilliantly. Better than I could, but their lives are a train wreck. Their lives are a train wreck. And so what he's talking about, it has to go from head knowledge to heart knowledge. And actually, actually starts sinking down into the heart. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That I may know him and the, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, that you may know him, but not just know him, but know him with the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of sufferings and being conformed to, to, the, uh, to his death. What were you told? You're, you're told to pick up your cross, die to self, and follow him. That's what you're supposed to do every day. And so we see that 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 knowledge there that he's talking about is, is from heart knowledge and it's, it's actually living out the will of God. And that's what Paul was doing. Paul was like, man, I obey his will. I, I want to I do what Christ did and I want to glorify his name. We see also the perfect man. Some of you in your translations may have the mature man. The mature man. So you see the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. And so when we see that, I, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, But we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as the Spirit of the Lord. It's like he's talking about how the veil's been torn. When Christ died on the cross and in, in, in the resurrection, the veil was torn. You have access to God. The veil, when you give your heart to Christ, the veil's torn. The scales are removed. And it's like you, you're, 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 you're with unveiled face now. You're being transformed from glory to glory through the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that really causes me a great deal of struggle, I've only been walking with Christ since 2009. That's when I gave my heart to the Lord. And one of the, the biggest concerns I ever have for our church in America are, are Christians who are not growing. They don't grow. We might as well just grab a bunch of the Christians and put them in the, the nursery. Because that's how they act. There's no change in their life. And I remember early on as I, as I was 
year one of my faith, trying to figure out, okay, how do I do this? How do, how, what, do I, what am I supposed to be doing? How do I walk a walk that's worthy of the calling of God? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk just as he walked. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there was this acronym that was given by my pastor. Uh, everybody know what an acronym is? So like if you have the prayer acronym for acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, every, every word symbolizes something. So he came up with one for the, for the word growth. And, and it changed the way that I looked at my faith. Because I could, I could actually look at this and go, am I doing this stuff daily? The word growth, the growth acronym is we talk about the mature man. You're supposed to be growing. There should be growth in your life. So the first thing is, is that you go to the Lord in prayer daily. You actually have time, quiet time with the Lord praying. You're actually praying without ceasing throughout the day. And men, if you're a husband, Lord, you are... You need to get it together. Your wives need prayer. Your kids need prayer. So if you go, I don't know what to pray. Man, if I, I see my daughter, she's got three little ones. Her husband's working seven days a week so they can make ends meet. I'm sure her hands are full. There's plenty to pray for. Plenty. Lord, help her through the day. Help her persevere. Like when you come home, are you just like, and you're on the couch and you're, I'm doing nothing. No, you're there to serve. You're the pastor of your home. You're the last. You come last. I don't know if nobody's told you that. Because you're the pastor, you're, you're the least. You go, man, but you don't know what kind of day I had. Pray before you walk in the door. Because she don't need to hear it. She may need you to hear what day she had. And so if you say, I got nothing to pray for, I can tell you all kinds of things you can pray for. You can pray for our nation. You can pray for our president. Right? You can pray for the upcoming school year and the teachers and the students. There's plenty to pray for. We're never at a point where we're not at a time that we can't pray. It's one of the things that we are supposed to do every day. So that G stands for go to the Lord in prayer daily. The R, read or listen to your Bible daily. I had to change that because I told Joe, I said, a lot of people listen to it now. I said, so we'll, we'll change it to read or listen to the Bible da daily. How do you spend time in God's word? Are you in still drinking the spiritual milk? Are you eating meat in it? Because if you've been walking with God for some time, you should be like diving into the Word of God. And this is a full meal. But if you're, if you're like a baby in Christ, you're, you're over there with the bottle. You're a grown person with the bottle. You've been walking with God for 10 years. You need to spend time in God's Word. And, and, and then the next one is obedience. Oh, obedience and application. You reflect what you read on. And you take one truth, one, and try to apply that in your life every day. It will change your life.
You go, well, what, what was my reading today? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, guess what you try to do? You love that coworker that drives you crazy. You pray for that coworker. You pray for your neighbor. Maybe your neighbor's driving you crazy. Right? Maybe it's you're an H-E-B and the neighbor hits you with their cart. And they're not your neighbor. They just, guess what? Everybody's your neighbor. This is why, I, man, I do not believe in racial division at all. It goes against God's word. Because God tells you to love your neighbor as yourself. And who's your neighbor? Everybody. You don't get, you don't get to pass that off. Why well, I can't love that person. Everybody's made in the image of God. We need to remember that. And so you take one of those truths and you apply it in your life. And it'll change your life. So you go, to, go and pray every day. You read or listen to the word every day. You obey and apply the word of God in your life. And then W, you witness to others. Oh, I can't do that. Well, guess what? You were commanded to do that by Jesus. Every one of us was given that command to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we can't get out of that. You invite somebody to the church. You sit down and talk to them about Jesus. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 